He came so that we may have life and have it abundantly. But as we walk out this journey called life, we each begin to thirst for something more. We want more than just life as we know it. But it's a thirst for more peace, for more fulfillment, and for more purpose. That was God's plan all along. Since the ancient times, he has made promises that will quench that thirst. And the same promises he made long ago are the same promises he has made for us today. Good, mo good evening, good morning, I don't know what it is anymore, but hey, we're so glad you guys are here, thankful that you guys are hanging out with us tonight. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Daryl, I'm the high school minister here at Cross Life Church, uh, love what I get to do, I love that I get to hang out with you guys each Wednesday night, uh, but tonight we're continuing our series called Foundations. If you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, you kind of know what this is about, let me give you a real quick like Reader's Digest update as far as like where we've been and where we're headed, all right? This whole series, we're looking at the idea of like our mission and our vision here at Cross Life Church and how it applies to us as students today, okay? So our mission at Cross Life Church is very, very simple. I'll, I'll read it to you real quick. It's this, this, building lives that matter by teaching people to love, know, trust, and follow Jesus, Okay? Love, know, trust, and follow Jesus. So we as a church, our mission is to come alongside you and help you love, know, trust, and follow Jesus. Okay? Our vision is a little different. It says this, to share the gospel wherever we live, work, play, and go so that the sun will not set on the ministry of Cross Life Church. Basically, we want to be sharing the gospel day in and day out so that our impact of Cross Life Church and of us as individuals spreads out all over the world, that the sun will never set on the impact of our church and the impact of the gospel through the ministry of our church. So what does that all mean to us? It basically, everything that we do as a ministry, as high school ministry, or even as like just a student ministry in general, it stands upon these two things. We're trying to help you love, know, trust, and follow Jesus, but we're also trying to equip you to be able to share your faith wherever you go, wherever you work, wherever you play, so that the gospel can be proclaimed everywhere. Last week, we talked about um, you know, what that looks like, what it means to follow Jesus, right? Because the ultimate goal of the mission is that you will follow Jesus, not just that you'll love Jesus, right? Not just that you'll know Jesus. Not that you'll just trust Jesus, but that you'll actually follow him. You will walk through life with him leading your every step. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing is because God has guided you there. We want you to follow Jesus. And last week we talked about what that would cost you. We talked about the conditions for following Jesus and that some of the things that you might have to do. And um, basically it was very simple. We said that you need to love God more than your family, friends, or self. You guys remember what, I, what we actually said? Hate everyone, right? Hate everyone. But I didn't mean like hate in the realm of like hate that you think, but your love for God needs to be so strong that every other relationship you have in comparison looks like you hate that person. 
because your love for God is so great. So even like, I love my wife more than any other human in this world. But my love for God is so much greater than that, that by comparison, it may look like I hate my wife. Which I don't, dear, I love you. She's in the room, I just make sure that we get that clear, all right? But you guys understand, so we need to love God more than anything else. We also need to bear our cross and follow Jesus. We need to be willing to publicly proclaim our allegiance with Jesus. We need to be able to walk through life and, and, and be able to be identified as a Christ follower and all the burdens that come with that. And then number three, the thing we talked about last week was this. We need to be able to renounce everything we have. And what I meant by that was you need to be willing to give up. It doesn't mean that God is calling us to be poor. God is calling us to be, like, possessionless. But you've got to be willing to give it up. If anything that you own, anything you possess, becomes more powerful or more important to you than your relationship with Christ, you need to be willing to let it go. Those three conditions, those three things are things that will happen or things that have to happen in order to truly follow Jesus. Jesus himself said it. It came straight from Scripture in Luke chapter 14. Well, tonight, I want to take a little different look at it. The idea of following Jesus is so important as a teenager and even as an adult. As I was preparing this message this week, it was more preaching to myself than anything else and reminding myself of some crazily important things. Because not just is there a... um, a cost or a condition of following Jesus, but there's also a reward or maybe a promise. You see, when you follow Jesus, you're promised some things. And if you're taking notes, I encourage you to. You got a pen, you got a sheet there on your, on your seat when you sat down. Uh, I encourage you to follow along, all right? And it says this, the promises of following Jesus. When you follow Jesus, there's certain things that will happen. Why can I say that? Because God promised it. All right? Listen, God is a God who keeps his promises. Anybody ever have a promise broken? Anybody ever, like, promise you something and, like, they don't follow through on it? Can I tell you that as a parent, I do this what seems like daily to my kids? How many of you guys, your parents, have ever broken promises to you? Or at least in your mind, you think they've broken promises to you, right? Like, so I, I have this with my kids all the time. I, like, I'll say, hey, maybe we'll do this later. Um, and then like later comes along, and they're like, can we do this? And I'm like, no, we don't, we, we don't have time. But you promised, right? And I never promised, but they assume I did. How many of you guys have had that conversation with your parents recently? All right, you all just admitted that your parents are great and that you're the one that's wrong, right? That's exactly what every single one of those hands meant, right? But here's the thing. We get promises broken to us all the time by other humans, by other individuals, by friends, by family. But God is a God who is, it's impossible for him to not fulfill his promises. God keeps his promises. He's kept every single one. And he will continue to keep every single promise. And there's some promises in here that go along with following Jesus. If you have your Bibles, we're going to bounce around a little bit tonight. But first, turn to Matthew, chapter number 28. Matthew 28, and we're going to read verses 16 through 20. You might be familiar with this passage. I've preached on this passage before uh, in Cross Life Students, so you might be familiar with it. It's a, a passage that's referred to as the Great Commission. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, and it says this, starting in verse number 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee 
to the mountaintop to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, catch this last part, I am with you always to the end of the age. This passage starts with a couple different things. First, first Jesus, as he's talking to his disciples, he makes a declaration of his authority, right? He says, listen, hey, all authority that's on earth, that's in the world, has been given to me. Like, God has given me this authority. Like, he's identifying himself as God in the flesh, right, in this moment. All authority has been given to me. And then he gives marching orders. You see, these 11 guys were the guys that were closest to Jesus. They were the ones that were following him. That were like, I've heard an illustration um, where he describes the disciples as being covered in the dust of Jesus' sandals. Like, that's how closely they were following Jesus. Like, they were, they were walking so closely, they were following everywhere he went, listening to every word he said, that they were covered in the dust of his sandals. These 11, he says to them, hey, go. Make disciples, baptize them, teach people what I've taught you. But he doesn't stop right there. He makes a promise at the end. He doesn't just give orders and say, hey, here's what you're supposed to do. He gives the orders and says, but don't worry, I'll be with you. The first promise of following Jesus is this. It's the promise of presence. The promise of presence. Listen, the idea here of I am with you always, um, it means all the days. Every day that you're alive is, is God promises, Jesus promises, hey, I will be with you. The presence of Christ with each believer in every moment. The Holy Spirit this is what Jesus is referring to. He goes, hey, listen, I might be gone in my body, my physical body might be gone, but I promise you the Holy Spirit's coming and he's going to be with you. He makes a promise of his presence. He'll never, you'll never be alone. You'll never be, be alone in, in when you're following Christ. I also find it interesting that this is the last verse of the gospel, right? This is the last verse of the gospel of Matthew. But if we remember our Christmas series, right, what's one of the names of God that's used? Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's pretty crazy to think about the bookends of the gospel in that moment. Emmanuel, God with us. I'll be with you always because I'm Emmanuel. God with you. promise of his presence. I don't know about you guys, but there's times in my life where I'm crazy thankful for the presence of God. There's times where I'm hurt, where I'm going through hard times, where things are happening around me, and the only thing that comforts me is the presence of God. This afternoon, I was scrolling through Facebook, killing time before youth group, waiting to pick up the pizzas, my routine. 
and I came across a post that stopped me in my tracks. I was sitting in my truck outside of Santino's Pizzeria, like just waiting to go inside to go get my pizzas. And that friend, I believe it was last week that I mentioned, my high school friend that's struggling with cancer, Diane, found out she had passed away. She'd lost her battle with cancer after years and years of battling. And here I was in this moment. Now, listen, I haven't seen Diane in years. I haven't, I've talked to her via Facebook. Occasionally, I talked to her on the phone like two years ago, right after her diagnosis, to connect her to my mom, who's a breast cancer survivor, and, and trying to like help create this community for her and give her the, the help and support that she needs. But she's gone. Her husband, now a widow, her sons, now motherless. And I found myself in that moment sitting in my truck, just hurting. And I was reminded of this point, the promise of God's presence. I knew I wasn't alone because God was with me, but I was also assured that Diane's family wasn't going to be alone. The presence of God was going to be there and comfort and help as much as possible, and the community around them was going to support them. The promise of God's presence. When you're following God, he promises to be there with you. He promises to be with you as you go through life. The second promise that we're talking about tonight is found in Acts, Acts chapter 1. Let me get there. Acts chapter 1 and verse 6 through 9 says this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you come at this time, restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know time or seasons that the Father is, has fixed by his own authority. In verse number 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. These are literally the last words Jesus says to his followers before he ascends into heaven. He says, you will receive power. You see, the second promise is this, the promise of power. The promise of power is, is, and this isn't like power, like solar power, electric power. This is the power of God, the power of, of his spirit, the power of, of him being able to do the unthinkable, him giving us the ability to do what he had done. You see, these disciples, they had watched Jesus walk on water. They had watched him raise people from the dead. They watched him heal the sick. And, and help those that couldn't walk, walk again, and give blind their sight. All these things they had witnessed with their own eyes. And Jesus in this moment says, you'll receive that same power. You'll have access. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when you're following me closely, you'll receive power. Guys, can I tell you that that promise is just as applicable to us today as it was back in the book of Acts? We have that same power. 
We have the same power of God on our side. We have that same power that can transform lives, that can see people go from life to death. You see, guys, I look, I look up at this ping pong ball display that we've been filling over the last year, and I see lives being transformed. I see God's power at work. I've seen lives changed by the power of God. I've seen marriages restored. I've seen cancer healed. I've seen lives transformed by the power of God. We've been promised that same power. The problem is so many of us don't live in that power. We don't live trusting that power. We don't live believing that we have that power in our lives. But I'm here to tell you tonight that we do. God has given you power. He's given you access to his power. Call upon his name. Ask him to work on your behalf. Ask him to do great things. He gives us the power to preach, the power to teach, the power to reach, the power to heal, the power to persevere through hard times. Remember that. Remember, you've got access to the power of God. We've got the promise of presence, the promise of power, and the third one is found in Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse number 5, it says this, let your reasonableness be known to everyone, the Lord is at hand, verse 6, do not be anxious for any, about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known, be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The third promise of following God is this, that you get the promise of peace. Now when I say peace here, I'm not talking like, World peace, no war, no fighting, no tension, no anxiety. Like, no, not that kind of peace, but the peace of knowing that the God of the universe, the God who spoke everything you see into existence, is on your side. He's in your corner. He's fighting for you. He brings peace. He brings comfort. He says, hey, listen, don't be anxious about anything. Make your request known to God, and God's peace will protect your heart. There's no need to be anxious about anything that's going on in your life because God already knows what's going to happen. Things change a little bit when you start to live in that world of peace. Things start to shift a little in your life. You live differently when you're trusting God and you're following him and allowing his peace to rule over your heart. The promise of peace. And then our fourth promise. And there's more. There's not just four. Like You can go through scripture and see promise after promise by God. But the fourth promise we're talking about tonight is found in Matthew. Back in Matthew, but Matthew chapter 6 this time. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse number 25, says this, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, 
what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither soar nor, uh, sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? It goes on and talks about how, like, you're anxious about clothing, yet God will clothe you. He'll provide. He provides for the animals, and you're more important than the animals. He'll take care of you. He goes on and, and, and says um, in verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God. Follow him, right? Follow him. Seek him and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The promise here is the promise of provision. God is promising us that he will take care of you. He'll take care of your needs. He will help provide for you what you need. Here's the problem, though. So many of us think we need things we don't actually need. Anybody guilty of that? How many of you guys have said that before? Like, I need this. And yet, in reality, it's, it's not a need. It's a desire. It's a want. Right? You want the new Xbox, the new PS5. Like, you want those things. You don't need those things. Right? You want, you desire them. Now, here's the thing. That doesn't mean God doesn't want to give you things that you want, because he will. He'll allow you to have certain things. But he doesn't promise to provide those. What he promises to provide is your needs. He'll take care of you. He'll never leave you needing something. He'll find ways to provide. The promise of provision. Philippians chapter 4 again says this in verse 19 and 20. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. God will provide everything you need out of his riches, out of his glory. He will give you what you need. If we follow him. It all hinges on this, guys. Listen, if you want to accomplish the mission that God has called you to, follow him. It's one thing to say you love God, right? It's one thing to say you love God because you could say you love anything. And it's another thing to say, yeah, I know God. It's a good thing. It's good to know God. And it's another thing to say, I trust God, right? I trust you, God. Like, I know you're powerful. I know that you do this. I trust you. But it goes that next step when we say, God, I follow you. I want to follow you wherever you go, wherever you lead me. I want to be covered in the dust of your sandals. I ask you that question tonight. Do you love Jesus? Do you know Jesus? 
Do you trust Jesus? But ultimately, the most important question I can ask you tonight is do you follow Jesus? Do you follow him? Do you do you follow him in, in such a way that you're willing to sacrifice everything we talked about last week? Are you willing to give up your grip on your stuff? Are you willing to sacrifice relationships for him? Are you willing to do the things, maybe get uncomfortable, maybe do something that you've never thought about doing before because it scares you? But in order to follow Jesus, you have to do it. Are you following Jesus? Because here's the thing, guys. Listen, if you do, if you're all in, if you truly are following him with your life, these promises we just went over, they'll be there. God's faithful. He will fulfill these promises. I promise you that. And I know my promise doesn't mean anything because I'm not God. But I'm telling you, he has never not fulfilled a promise. And these four promises are there. The promise of his presence, he'll be with you. The promise of his power, he'll give you the power to do what he is calling you to do. The promise of peace, he will comfort you. He'll be with you when you're hurting. He'll be with you in the good and the bad. He'll never leave you alone. And the promise of provision, he'll provide for you. He'll give you what you need and when you need it. So are you following him? In order to follow Jesus, it requires him being a part of you. Us asking him to forgive us of our sins so that he could take residence in our lives with the Holy Spirit and give us that power. Give us eternal life. You see, guys, listen, every single one of us in this room, when we, when we take our last breath on earth here, we're going one of two places. I wish I could candy coat it and say that there was, like, more than that, but there's not. There's either heaven or there's hell. And the only way to get to heaven is by being a follower of Jesus, being someone that's all in, someone that, is, that has been forgiven of their sins, being, being washed clean through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. But the beauty of it, he's made it where all we have to do is ask. There's no like magic spell, there's no magic phrase, They're, like you don't have to go sit through like eight classes and, and go through these, this many steps in order to receive that gift. It's simply a cry of your heart to him. And then after that, you're able to follow him. You're able to pursue him with everything that you do. So tonight, before we leave, before we finish in a time of worship, before we break off into family groups, before we have that time of discussion and prayer, I want to give you that opportunity. Maybe you're in here and you've been in church your entire life, but you've never taken that step. You've never said, God, I need you. I need you to forgive me of my sins. I need you to wash me clean. You could do that tonight. 
Maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you, you've taken that step uh, of salvation. You've asked God to forgive you at some point in your life, but you just haven't been walking with him. You haven't been following him. You can sure that up tonight too. Recommit yourself and say, God, listen, I know I've missed the mark. I want to follow you. I want to pursue you in all that I do. You just follow that up as well. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, nobody's messing around, nobody's talking, I want you to have that conversation with God right now. If you're in here and you need to give your life to Christ, you need to ask God, God, forgive me of my sins. I want to be saved so I can live for you, so I can follow you. In the quietness of your heart, you don't have to say it out loud. He'll hear just your, your heart cry. Say something along these lines. Say, dear Jesus, I need you. I want to follow you. I want to live for you. I need you. Say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. I accept that gift of salvation that you offer through Jesus Christ. Just follow it up with a simple amen. Every eye still closed, every head still bowed. Maybe you're in here and you've been saved. You've been a Christian for a long time, but you just haven't been walking it out. You haven't been following Jesus. You met, you've been saved, but you haven't been following him. You haven't been walking the way that you're supposed to. You're not, you haven't been covered in the dust of his sandals. If that's you, I want to challenge you right now to say a simple prayer, something along this line. It doesn't have to be my exact words. Put it in your own words. Use your own heart cry, but say something like this to Jesus right now in this moment. Say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for missing the mark. I'm sorry for not doing what you've called me to do, Lord. I know you've saved me already, but I want to follow you. I want to walk with you. I want to fulfill the mission that you've called me to of not just loving and knowing and trusting you, Lord, but following you. Lord, use me. Just follow it up with just a simple amen. Every eye still closed, every head still bowed. If you're in here tonight, you said that first prayer because you needed Jesus to forgive you. You needed to be saved. You needed to give your life to Christ so that you could follow him. And you said that prayer tonight, and you meant it the best you know how. You might not know all the answers, but you know that you want to follow Jesus, and you wanted that forgiveness. All I ask is that you just look up at me right now. Nobody else is looking around but myself. If that's you, I see you, man. Anybody else? I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Those handful of you that just looked up at me, I want you to listen to me very, very carefully. The greatest decision you could ever make in your life right now is just made in this room. The decision to be a Christian, to get saved, is the greatest decision you will ever make in your entire life. I want to challenge you. Follow Jesus. Follow him. I also want to challenge you to do something that might be a little scary for you. But after service today, after we're done, before you leave, 
come see me. Just come see me. I want to give you a high five, congratulate you, pray with you. It's the greatest thing you could ever do. If you came with somebody as a guest tonight and, that's, and you made that decision, man, tell somebody. Tell them. Because I promise you, if they invite you to church, they're excited that you just made that decision. I promise you that. If you're in here and you said that second prayer of saying, God, I'm a Christian, I, I'm saved, but I just haven't been walking the walk. I haven't been following you the way that I know I'm supposed to. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. In a second, we're going to sing a song, a song of reflection, a song of praise to Jesus for what he's doing in this place because he's transforming lives, guys. God's power is at work right now, right here in this room. And we're going to celebrate that. We're going to worship together in that. But if you're in here and you said, God, I need to follow you more, here's what I want to challenge you to do. Don't forget that. Because it's so easy to make a decision like that and then walk out and do things the way you've been doing it for years. Change right now. Follow him in what you're saying and what you're doing and the way that you worship and the way that you communicate. Right now, I challenge us as a, as a ministry to give everything we have to Jesus in this time of worship. Let's respond to him through singing. Let's respond to him through our, worship, our time of worship right now and what he's doing in this place. Let's all stand to our feet. I'm gonna pray for us. And then we'll worship. The altar's open if you want to come kneel and pray, spend some extra time in prayer. You can come up here and kneel at the front. You can kneel at your seat. You can just pray standing there. I don't care, but we're going to have this time of worship together. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your love for us. Lord, I thank you for the fact that you allow us to follow you. Lord, I thank you for your promises the promises of peace, the promises of provision, the promises of your power. God, I pray that every single one of us would live in those promises, Lord. God, I pray for the lives that have been given to you tonight right here in this room. God, we celebrate that. We give that to you. We honor you and we praise you for those lives, lives that are being changed. God, for those that are stepping up to the place saying, God, I need to follow you more closely. I need to re-up. I need to be one that's all in. God, I pray that you give them the boldness and the power that you've promised them. God, thank you for the promise of your presence because you're right here, right now with us in this moment and allow us to worship you as such. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let's worship together, guys.